I'm Justin. And I'm Blake. And this is the How Do You Figure podcast. Blake, who is our guest this week? Justin, we are joined this week by the host of Reboot It and the upcoming The Greatest Pod, Ed Greer. Ed, how are you? Hey, how are you guys? I'm, I'm glad to be inside talking to you about this uh, inside kid stuff. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it is the year of the inside kid. It's, uh, we have our revenge. Let I was made you. for this. That's how I felt when it started. My dad at one point was like, man, it must be hard. I was like, I grew up playing video games online and with social media, and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did a long-distance relationship when I moved to L.A. I don't recommend it, but I'm built for it. Well, you know, you know what this reminds me of? This this whole, like, all this insightness being bad for me, which I never could have even conceived of. It reminds me of this one time. Uh, basically, I went out on a date with a chick. She bought me a cheesecake. I didn't have it. One of my checks bounced, so I didn't have any money for food. So I ate cheesecake for breakfast, and I ate cheesecake for lunch, and I ate a sensible piece of cheesecake for dinner for three days, and it wrecked my system so bad. I was it both ends all day <laughs> real strong horror, horror show <laughs> key lime cheesecake eating it for two straight days it ruined my whole system bro i was neon dude it was nuts it's amazing how many quarantine days i have where i'm like my stomach kind of hurts oh yeah i ordered five guys chipotle <laughs> and i've had three whiskey sodas and i'm 31 <laughs> That's probably it. Yeah. I'm going to do it while, tomorrow. While we were stuck inside this week, did you get any toys? I did, yes. I had another Amazon delivery because I'm not leaving my home. And I got another McFarland DC figure from that Dark Knight's Metal line that Justin knows nothing about. This is but now, the... now that you're educating me, I'm starting to be intrigued by this. It's great. This is the murder machine. It's the uh, dark metal version of Batman when he's cyborg. I'm very mm. bad at explaining modern comic book stories, but so are the writers. <laughs> uh, it's great. I think I'm just going to get every single evil Batman Justice League character that I can find and then build the giant merciless Wonder Woman armor one that they have these McFarland DC toys, Justin, I really thought I wasn't going to be into them, and I think they're great. I'm all in. That's great. That's wonderful. You know, as you know, I'm not into them, but uh, McFarland did recently get the Princess Bride license. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking out for what McFarland is making because I would love really well-made Princess Bride figures, and I'm hoping that uh, uh, McFarland's going to give them to us. So it's good to hear that the DC figures are well-made and that you like them because hopefully that'll transition over into a line I'm interested in, which is the Princess Bride. Great. And did you get anything? I did. Uh, I also received something without leaving my apartment, but instead of the mail or Amazon, <laughs> uh, I uh, had it hand-delivered by Mr. Mike Carlson. It's a Triceraton and Roadkill Rodney pack. Great, Ed. You're now twenty-five percent off. That's pretty. That's pretty badass, dude. Yeah, I've been wanting this for a while. It may be my last uh, toy for the year. We'll have to see. But uh, I don't I'm now believe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. 
Uh, I'm all caught up with the animated now. Uh, I unbelievably have all of them, thanks uh, in part to friends. Uh, without helping each other to find these, there's no way I would have gotten all of these figures. Well, yeah. But uh, we've all all been out there searching and hitting the internet, and uh, yeah, very happy with my Triceraton. Great. Wish I had the money for a whole army. <laughs> but for now, one Triceraton will keep me uh, keep me going. Yeah, I think that'll be fine in a time, uh, you know, such as 2020, which is almost over, which is very crazy to me. Uh, Ed, I assume you did not get any new toys this week, but did you get any wonderful goodies yourself? Um, well, there's ah, like up up there. There are some pretty interesting toys. I have some uh, alien xenomorphs uh, with like a bobblehead xenomorph up there. Uh, I went back when I was at Screen Junkies a lot. I got this uh, rocket trooper from the new flicks. He's pretty cool. But, uh, I, I, you know, and it's his, his, he's barely holding his gun because I'm not trying hard. But, you know, you know, when you really line it up and you put his gun in his hand properly and you're just like this. It looks like he could conceivably be aiming at something. This is amazing. <laughs> um, oh, and also check this out. I got uh, a speeder bike, a vintage speeder, oh. and on it is battle uh, damage oh. chest as uh, weird lightning He-Man. This isn't the battle chest He-Man. It's the battle chest uh, Skeletor, though. And uh, That's one of my favorite Skeletors. <laughs> yeah, he, he's sick. He's like, ah, He-Man, we're going to the store. Ah! Like, so yeah, I have the, they're, they're obviously friends now they've been away from the other toys. The ancient wars are behind them. They just sort of ride the speeder bike around the house. Oh man, that's nice. I, li- <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, I like the toy mixing. I like the like. Yeah, I like having that kind of stuff. Skeletor and He-Man should have become friends at the end. Mm -hmm. They might. There's still time. That's a very alive property. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Oh, uh, speaking of which, we did that on Reboot It, (laughs) Uh, and we we had a great time with it. We ended up doing a thing where it was basically He-Man and Skeletor, their war was like a cartoon war. And when She-Ra busted through the multiverse and came and saw them, it was like watching a bunch of teddy bears fight. He was like, you don't understand. Hordak <laughs> is coming and he's going to do real war stuff to you. You don't just run around in your underwear messing around. And, and he, she has to basically teach Eternia how to fight to save the multiverse and train <laughs> He-Man how to be an actual hero instead of a dunderhead who just gets over all the time because he lives in a, 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 a cotton candy world. You know what I'm saying? So uh, oh, our yeah. reboot was hardcore. And people, <gasps> hardcore um, Master of the Universe fans, liked it if they saw the inherent funniness in there. But if they were treating this as some sort of Star Wars meets Conan type of thing, they were so offended. Like, we got hate mail, dude. It was ama- it was it was an array of arrows dropping on us, all the hate mail. But I, I thought it was a great take. I think it sounds great. Man. And if there's one thing I love, it's when people who like something too much get mad. <laughs> when they forget that it's fake. It's all fake. <laughs> it's all made up. Yeah, it always makes me happy. 
<laughs> Speaking of, Ed, were you a big He Man? Were you a big He Man fan growing up? Oh, I mean, dude, I think that might have been my number, uh, my number one fandom. But when I was really searching my mind, I was like, the toys I had the most of might have been Master of the Universe, but the ones I treasured the most were these that we're going to talk about today. Lift up, Yo-Jo! Wait till Cobra sees our new battle platform. It's arriving! Attack now by Hydrofoil! Cobra Hydrofoil, Superfossil Warrior is an evil new foe! Cobra Hydrofoil is gonna get G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe! The counter-attacking! Pop it out, Sarkin! Pop it out! What's next? Find out in Marvel Comics. So we're talking about 80s G.I. Joe, the three and three quarter inch G.I. Joe figures, the real American hero G.I. Joe figures. Uh, Ed, what are some of your memories of the old G.I. Joe? I mean, we we don't have 500 days, man. <laughs> like, I, I, there's so much. There's so much. Like when when you really start to roll the Rolodex, if you're of that age and you and you uh, even saw them on videotape later or on syndication later after they were a big thing. If any way you experienced that, if you saw those cartoons or you read the comics, sometimes I think that I discovered the comics almost first, and then I was playing with the guys from the comics to me. And then they say there's a cartoon, or and maybe I got that backwards. Maybe it's a cartoon first, leads to the comics, then the toys from the comics, because for some reason the comics were more poor, and they were more like the adventure that I would imagine in my head for military figures. However, I love Roadblock's rhyming ass in the cartoon. You know what I'm saying? It's this mixed up gumbo in my head. You know what I'm saying? How I got into it and what versions got me. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. It, uh, especially with the real American hero, they were firing on all cylinders on all those fronts. Like mm-hmm. at the same time, they had a, a comic book and a toy and a TV show that were all like doing their own thing and doing good things. And they were able to use them together to advertise. And there was like, I feel like there was synergy in the things before you really had synergy cross media (laughs) platforms. Uh, And all of that kind of came from using the comic book to sell the toys. They couldn't Mm -hmm. have ads for the toys during the cartoon. So they had commercials for the comic book that then secretly became commercials for the toys because mm-hmm. they advertised the toys while they advertised the comic book. Well, um, and w- one of the ways that you got to thank like Reagan for uh, some of our childhoods is, you know, uh, I guess long story boring, breaking down that law that said, Hey, you can't just do this out and out advertisements as cartoons. It's like, nah, forget that law. That's a dumb law. <laughs> and that provided us, Thundercats and this and that and Seamans. And, <laughs> and then Nancy Reagan used all those characters to advertise a giant crossover against drugs for us. Mm-hmm. I thought <laughs> you were going to thank him for the industrial, the military industrial complex because G.I. Joe kind of sprung out of that as well. Well, yeah, or or thank him for Batman's Rogues Gallery because he 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 took away all the mental health care by funding. You know, what I mean? just like just blame him for everything. He's given us the best villains. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually I'd forgotten about this, but 
I have G.I. Joe to thank for my love of comic books because that G.I. Mm. Joe Real American Hero comic is the first comic book that I ever bought. Those, uh, mm. those commercials for the comic book that were also for the toys uh, that would always end with the to be continued in the pages of the G.I. Joe comic. Mm-hmm. Like that got me to ask my parents to find a place to buy comics. And they found the basement of a dime store in Glendale, California. And I went in and got those G.I. Joe comics. And that was it. From that, I, I was just on the G.I. Joes for a couple of years. Then I found superheroes when 89 hit and the Batman movie hit. And I've been a comic fan ever since. So thank you, G.I. Joe, for <laughs> opening that door. Yeah, man. They they make great comic stories because of all the iconography. And and one thing, um, one thing we didn't laud that way we need to in regards to the toys appeal is after you get advertised on the cartoon and then you go to the comic books and then you want to play with the figures. When you got those figures, those figures could suck and you could go, dang, you almost got me. I don't want this though. You almost got me with all that fanfare, but I don't want this though. But once you got that toy in your hand, not only were they mostly fresh as hell, but you flip them over and they got that dossier on the back, dude. And the dossier was so sick. It says where they were born, unless it was classified, which made them interesting. Oh, God. Where this guy is born is what his real name is. It's classified. Who's this guy? Ugh. It introduced that term to me as a kid. I didn't know what the hell classified. Then I found out what it was like, hmm, secret. So he's more interesting because Mm -hmm. I don't know. That was then, you know, what became how most of us tried to date people. We're not going to let them know anything. (laughs) She doesn't need to know where I'm from. (laughs) Hey, mystery is sexy, man. What mystery, honestly, mystery and the fact that most teen boys have a stabby phase is why Wolverine was famous for, for <laughs> he, he was the biggest stuff ever. And maybe because he could take punishment. Cause we all thought, you know what I'm saying? We all thought we were little angst Lords back then be like, yeah, I can take it. I tried so hard anyway. Um, so and yeah, got I, I, so far. <laughs> exactly. But in the end, did it even matter? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Uh, so so yeah so bottom line uh, when you got to the toy you flip it over the dossier was there i remember destro's one of even one of the later toys that kind of sucked destro's dossier said something like i will one day have the world at my feet and then i will drop kick it like a football <laughs> that, that was his philosophy in life like crush your enemies to see them delivered before you <laughs> There was something great about the 80s and 90s where they just gave people like a small catchphrase. Because I feel like that's also how Street Fighter 2 got popular. Was these (laughs) characters all had one line to be like, ooh, he's awesome. One day the world's going to be at his feet. He doesn't have to say anything else. I know his whole mission statement. Dude, all of them had that that stuff. Like uh, like I'm looking at uh, Jungle Trooper Ricondo. Was one of my favorite G.I. Joe's. He, he, he was one of that weird Australian hat. When an Australian dude goes to the outback and he knows what he's doing, he gets a weird hat that curls up on one side, you know, type of thing. And this and this guy, uh, he was amazing, but he was like from Wisconsin, basically. I didn't know that. I thought he was from Australia. But the bottom line is, <laughs> he's a jungle dude. And his quote was something like, 
uh, the, the jungle is a hostile organism. You can fight it or you can give yourself over to it or something like that. And it's like, these guys are real guys. The bottom line with all this big deer tribe is when you're a little kid and you read some stuff like that, these guys are real guys. And now yep. you have them, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And you can have adventures with them. That's the key to selling toys to boys you're having an adventure with them. You're kind of the director, but they're your repertory company. And sometimes Roadblock doesn't want to come out of his trailer or whatever. You know what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember cutting those things out of the back of the card and holding on to them. And sometimes I would spend more time reading the backs of those cards than I would actually playing with the figures. Mm-hmm. I feel like I did that same thing with every figure if they gave me any bit of like information because if there's one great thing to help create creativity it's oddly rules <laughs> like <laughs> if you just open up a toy and the possibilities are endless it's like scrolling through netflix when there's just a bunch of movies and you don't know what you want but if i get like a jungle commando and on the back it's like here's where he's from here's what he's about here's his motto i'm like oh yeah i can make some cool shit out of this <laughs> No one yep. wants to follow a recipe was, that you just go to the grocery store and they're like, buy everything. <laughs> and there was yeah. still enough mystery in the descriptions to let your imagination run wild. Mm-hmm. It didn't just lay it all out for you. Like, like mm-hmm. you were saying about the classified and stuff like that. Like it gave you enough information to fill out these characters and start creating, but it also allowed you to like, go off in your own directions and decide, you know, who mm-hmm. some of these characters are. And yeah, it was just great. And the special, the special teams part, that was the part that, that was really dope. Not special teams like football, although it's kind of weird like that too, but like this, they're these specialized. Okay. You're a bazooka guy. I'm a ninja. He's a karate guy that doesn't wear shoes. We got to design a mission where we need a karate guy who doesn't wear shoes and a ninja, and a bazooka guy, and a saboteur. Let's design that adventure. Let's, let's, let's pick my team for the type of adventures I want to have. There's that aspect of G.I. Joe, the, of, of the creativity of the kid. You know what I mean? Because I, I did a lot of saboteur, ninja, sk- skulky, stealth stuff. That was my personality, I guess. It's interesting you bring that up, because I feel like <clears throat> those archetypes are now what I go back to whenever I'm writing where I have that same, like, well, I need a stealth guy and I need a (laughs) commando and I need a leader and I need a heavy hitter. And if I have two of them, "Ah, there's gotta be something about that. I, I feel like that almost goes back to toys. Like I learned more about writing and character design from the back of GI Joe's and X-Men collecting cards than save the cat and a bachelor degree in screenwriting ever did. <laughs> so Dude, read yeah. those G.I. Joe bios, kids, if you want to make it as a screenwriter. Yes. You'll either be a screenwriter or you'll make an independently produced podcast. And the money will not flow in. Hallmark Channel, six grand for a script. Dude, I think that's too much. My girlfriend, me and my girlfriend, just quick aside, me and my girlfriend watch Hallmark movies straight up. And we watch them and 
it's the worst everything. Everything is a coincidence. Everything is a coincidence. And there's always some wizened Christmas character who makes the Christmas happen because they all have Christmas in them. It, it's it's vile filmmaking. It, it is, <laughs> it's ruinous. And the fact that there's a certain, I, I'm not going to be mean to it, but like, God, it's horrible. But they're so make funnable. You be, every, I'll tell you this. It's like a mutagen. Once you are watching a Hallmark movie, you are MST3K. The jokes are just there in your mind, you and whoever you're with, and you're going to have a good time. That's their power. That's their allure. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I don't know if you sold them on me or not. I, I'm just... <laughs> no, Justin, <laughs> it it's great almost... and horrible. It's... If I no, had no, someone they're... to watch them with to make fun of them with, I think I'd be on. Oh, yeah, I don't absolutely. Know if that's a... I don't know if that if that's a single man in an apartment uh, coronavirus watching. <laughs> dude, no, dude, stay away because you, you would go into a deep despair of I never have this fake love. <laughs> you know, it, it just it's so misrepresentative of what love actually is that that you will go insane. Don't do it to yourself. It's yeah, you don't mom. need to revert back to me in high school when I thought every <laughs> pop punk song and rom com was a template for happiness. Dude, I handed her a mixtape. Where is my sex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did everything that Green Day said. <laughs> and ironically, like Green Day said, I'm just jerking off. Dude, and and basically, but I will say this: one of your um, one of the things that comes to mind is you start to think about the the ones of the the GI Joes that uh, that you liked as a kid, and I remember liking so many of them because they were so cool and they were and I owned them in my mind because they were in the TV and shit like that. But I had very freaking few of them, and the ones that I had are such an interesting foray into my mind, I think. You know what I mean? All right, what do you got? Like, when I started thinking about it, like, okay, number one, I had the snow mobile. That, it was called the Avalanche. It was amazing. It had missiles on skis. You could shoot a missile on a ski. And so by somehow... The snowy terrain, the ski would make the missile go better. And uh, I had, uh, uh, obviously, Frostbite, the driver of that. I had Destro. Destro was so central to my adventures on the Joe side and the and Cobra Commander side. Uh, oddly enough, I never, ever got Cobra Commander. I got, at one point, uh, Storm Shadow 2. The second edition of Storm Shadow, he had a big long Wolverine claw. He mm-hmm. had a he had a sword. Uh, he had sort of a puffy ninja face. He had a like ninja uniform around his face. It wasn't just sort of a molded thing. It was like a little uniform on him. So sick. And I had Quick Kick. The karate guy I was telling you about that had no shoes. Yeah, I had Quick Kick, and I for for just the purposes, this sold me. Okay, I'm just gonna okay. Japanese father, Korean mother. Uh, Taekwondo, Goju Ryu, Southern Praying Mantis, uh, Kung Fu, a bunch of other stuff. And, and a qualified expert, all NATO and all Warsaw Pack small arms. 
this dude is hardcore. And then it goes, here's the situation. You want to gain access to a fortified villa, 12 foot tall, continuous wall, topped with razor spiral and only one gate through it, two inch steel plate on the gate, two sandbag guard houses with direct telephone link, blah, 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 blah. How do you hit it? You have quick hit, do it. <laughs> That's how. It's like, what? The, if you're a child uh. and you can read and understand this this it it posits a scenario they say the stuff i skipped over was four guards with submachine guns two dobermans and a silent alarm hooked to a dead man switch this guy with no shoes can beat this yeah that's yeah, like the toy that sounds like a cut <laughs> lyric from forgot about dre <laughs> <laughs> dude it's just it's just crazy how they sell these guys and even even after that all of that you know he's from Los Angeles, California. You know what I mean? It, that, that you know he can do all this, and he's from Los Angeles. Everything else is for there for you to explore. You, you're right, Justin. It's they give you just enough to make so much. And it, and oh, one thing, he was working as a stunt man in Hollywood when he was recruited for GI Joe. Oh. Little character stuff like that they give you, where it's just like oh. Uh, and sometimes it goes wrong. Like Stalker, they said he was a he was a warlord of a gang, and I was like, "Come on, Larry Hammer, <laughs> black guy doesn't have to be the warlord of a gang, okay?" But but also Stalker was basically one of the most loyal badass GI Joes, and he was the one that was on that fated mission with um, Storm Shadow and and uh, Snake Eyes, and that's why they're all bonded as brothers from Vietnam. You know what I mean? There's all this stuff to it. You know what I mean? So I, I just enjoyed all of that stuff. The specialization. There were 500 figures in like 150 at the time or 200 vehicles. It was amazing. Jesus. It's now, a- you said you had Destro and not Cobra Commander. Were you more of a Destro guy or did you like Cobra Commander? No, no, no. no. Way, way Destro guy. Just the fact that he was like this weird, muscle-bound Sean Connery with a metal face. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they made repeated references that he was from Scotland, although I think a black guy played him on his, his voice and stuff. And like he was from, the, <laughs> he was from some ancient time where like, I, what's, what's his name? Alistair Crowley or whatever Crowley that was kicking people out of England and doing bad stuff to him, accusing him of stuff, basically accused his ancestor of war profiteering and made him wear a metal mask. And so his family wore the metal mask and uh, as a as a tribute to his, his that sacrifice for evermore. It's like, get out of here, man! <laughs> like this is amazing stuff. They're just trying yep. to sell me a piece of plastic, and they did all this work. That's what I uh, always uh, preferred. Destro to Cobra Commander. I always thought that mm-hmm. Destro was like smarter, and mm-hmm. same with Baroness. Like Destro and Baroness, I always felt mm-hmm. like, what are they doing with this guy, Cobra Commander? <laughs> Like they could mm-hmm. split off, they could have a much better thing going on. A much better thing going on. So I had I had Destro, I had Frostbite to go with the Avalanche truck. But I don't know why I was so obsessed with snow, other than I could really relate. And I, I grew up in Missouri where we actually had snow. So sometimes I would even play with it in the snow, but then you know, the, a lot of the weapons and stuff are white or yellow. And so you start to drop them in the snow and you just, ah, you know. <laughs> The amount of lost toys to Chicago winters is astronomical <laughs> to me. I used to have a, our neighborhood in Glenview, Illinois, the street I grew up on Glendale Road. Our house was just a little bit elevated than everybody else's. So there were hills on both sides of our road. 
So if it <laughs> rained, it would flood everybody but us. It was awesome. It was like having a little island. But at the bottom of one of these hills, there was this big rock with like a sewer pipe. And I would always try to skateboard and jump over the rock. And I lost so many G.I. Joe and Star Wars accessories from just not making that jump. That to this day, I'm like, I still have the Bausch Leia. I don't have her helmet. And I know exactly which Tony Hawk song I was listening to when I tried that jump and did not make it. <laughs> yeah, there's a there. I think I dropped Snake Eyes' gun into a crack in a wall along with a He-Man sword. And I went to tell my mom that the neighbor should probably help me some kind of way because, you know, he's a, he had tools and stuff. Maybe he can help me fish it out. Because it was like I dropped it inside this crack in the wall between our two properties. But it was like like sort of a wall made of brick. So it had a natural cavity in there for my toy to be, I figured. So just get in there and get it. And by the time my mom had like woken up and come down or whatever, there was this worker guy and he had re- he had just put a bunch of concrete over the crack. And my toys have been entombed in there forever. Like when the nuclear bomb hits, that wall will crack and out (laughs) will tumble a He-Man sword and a snake guy's Uzi. And it'll be like the Simpsons with Mr. Burns and Bobo. He'll just be a big (laughs) robot body and you'll be like, finally, I have it. Finally, I have the time. Yeah, dude. I, I just, I had that. Oh, I also had snake eyes, obviously. But I never had the freshest snake eyes. I chased it forever. It never was meant to be. And now it's like $1,500 or something. I, it just is not going to happen. Just Which snake happen. eyes is this? Well, the first snake eyes is hella expensive as well. So I never had that one. Then they had one that was the one more or less from the cartoon with the kind of gray, mm-hmm. with the visor, the kind of almost like medieval knight type visor type of thing futuristic medieval knight visor with the sword and it came with timberwolf in a pack you know so timberwolf was in a little space up here he had his backpack he had a sword he had his uzi it was the sickest thing i ever saw and his his grenade stuff was um was sort of grayish and i think he had a, a wrist mounted crossbow so much dopeness on that character it was so sick I never got that one, but I got the very next one, which was the silvery uh, snake eyes. He was black, but on his chest, he had two silver daggers cr- uh, crisscrossed on his chest. And he gotcha. had sort of these weird goggle glasses or whatever. And he had a he had a sword with holes in it, like so it could be lighter or whatever. And he stuck it in the side of his backpack. And he was pretty sick. That was my snake eyes. And that was a pretty sick character. But I was kind of knew he was the not as sick as the other one I could, that I could never find. So I had to buy the ninjas, uh, the ninjas, quick kick, frostbite, Destro, a couple of those um, foot soldier dudes, about two or three foot soldier dudes just for miscellaneous hijinks. Um, have them. Yeah. I always wanted lady J, but I could never get her. Um, she was so hard to find. I remember. Yeah. As mm-hmm. a kid, like, yeah, she, it was, that was difficult. I think that was like an early figure. And you didn't see it around too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that that sucked. And also, like some of the ones where you were just like, I, I just I, I jumped in too late, so I could never get like bazooka. Like I I couldn't get bazooka. I knew a kid who had bazooka, but I couldn't get bazooka. And I was like, that dude's cool. I love yeah. that stuff. Jun- junkyard dog, you know all these people. Uh, beachhead. I wanted a beachhead. Could never get a freaking. Oh, yeah. Beachhead. I wanted a flint. Could never get a mother freaking flint. 
you know what I mean? Just like, uh, I kind of wanted a Scarlet, but it wasn't until later when I read the comics more that I realized how dope Scarlet is. And the comic book Scarlet is way cooler. But Lady J was my girl from the cartoons. Any, you know, any kind of way. She was great. Did you ever go like out of your way to try to find any of these figures? Like I know most people I think have their local mall or toy store or whatever. Did mm-hmm. you ever have a day where you were like, I'm going to go as far as I can? Well, back then I, uh, my presentation was my mother. So there was only so much you could do to influence that. You know what I'm saying? If the shit is next to the fucking Kmart, then you might get over there. You might find some way <laughs> to, to Island top and get, get over there. So there was, there used to be this place called children's palace and I never got to go to children's palace. Cause it was way out by, I don't know. It was way out by independence, Missouri, basically. Uh, and I could never, we were never really over there. And one day we were over there and I went to Children's Palace and I think I I was just looking through all the stuff. And I, anyway, long story boring, I found my Storm Shadow there. That was the only place I'd ever seen a straight up Storm Shadow with the fluffy hood and stuff. And it was like, when I saw it, I like looked around to make sure <laughs> nobody was going to dive on it. You know what I mean? That's how much uh-huh. I coveted this thing. And I got it in my hand and just how it felt in my hand. You know what I mean? Going up to like pay for it. It was like, it was amazing. I remember it to this day. Oh, I totally understand that feeling. (laughs) She's like, this can't be this. It's a trap. (laughs) It was sitting right next to an Admiral Akbar. (laughs) So how long were you into GI Joe and what was the exit point? Um, well, the thing is what, what I hate about my toy story as it were, is it is just the same cliche thing as ever. And it's almost as disgusting as the story of how most people leave comics. You know, they say that stupid thing. Oh yeah. I got interested in Goyles. Shut up. Ludo. <laughs> just shut up. Shut up. Your puberty didn't wreck that. You didn't have three ninety nine for Rob Liefeld, Scott Williams cross hatching anymore just say just say what it was stupid you didn't that's not you know what i mean so my but my story is much like that with the toys man i just a i was starting to get to an age where i couldn't be caught in public with the toys doing stuff that i wanted to do with them you know what i'm saying so it was just like i was never a collector of that type where they could just go beyond some place to be looked at i was always playing with them they were, they were tools for my very imagination so once I started be- having access to other tools, like being able to draw well or being able to like understand the, what a writing a script was or whatever, it moved me away from them. You know what I mean? Because they were no longer the means gotcha. for my imagination. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, and, and also, though, I got to say, they started sucking. Like straight up, they started sucking right when I was supposed to get away from them. They started sucking. It was like a godsend. That Eco Warriors line with the lime green, everybody, and the laser trooper, all of a sudden these fools, we, we forgave it in the cartoon because we, as kids, were like, these dumb little kids can't stand real bullets, but we know they're <laughs> bullets. So that's cool. They they dodge bullets. You know what I mean? So we, I, I just... It was it was a weird thing to see a guy whip out an out and out sci-fi with a big power pack and a line <laughs> that goes to the gun laser gun with a lime green outfit and go I'm a GI Joe too no the fuck you're not no you're not my little mind said no you're not I feel like that's there was also like tiger striped ones 
And Dude. like once you hit neon and patterns like that, you're out. It's over. It's the, the, Dude, Storm it's the Shadow X screen got spelled with an X <laughs> and you're like, I'm out. <laughs> as soon as any property was like, and now yep. it's extreme. You're like, oh well, mm-hmm. the millennium took a toll on everybody. We all wore bright neon with dark black and thought mm. we were really cool. Dude, yeah, the toys start coming with uh, Dorito munching action, uh, Mountain Dew <laughs> wrist to dump Mountain Dew in their mouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ed, what do you think about the G.I. Joe movies? Uh, I gotta say, no. <laughs> I mean, that's what I gotta say. I gotta say no. Because, okay, this is the thing. The fucking G.I. Joes are each superhuman at something, but they of them in themselves are not superhuman. So they don't put on battle suits to run up walls. They grapple up the wall like a person. And once they get up there, they kick you in your face like a person. They don't put on an exosuit. They don't. They're ninjas. They're rangers. You know what I mean? They're warriors. They're not superheroes. Even in the comics, they're not superheroes. In the comics, they're the farthest thing from it. You know what I mean? So it's just like that. That just, yeah, that's the part where there's a disconnect. The G.I. Joe movie, we, we did that on Rebooted. And honestly, it was one of our least successful episodes because I had G.I. Joe in my heart like a song. And these dudes were just like, yeah, which one's the guy with the crossbow? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, which toidle has the stick? You know what I mean? <laughs> it was that stuff. So I'm having to drag these troglodytes into the light of that G.I. Joe is not just jingoistic trash. It would never have such a lasting appeal if it was. You know, it has this, this interpersonal thing to it where, again, you make your little strike teams. The strike teams have different relationships with each other. Different relationships with each other affect their efficacy as a team, but they might still get the job done, so on and so forth. All this, the stories start to spark in your brain. The neurons fire all over the fucking place with these toys. And that's that's what was so interesting about it to me. And when some of that is sort of taken away with this sort of generic super guys who are just all super and everything super and you know, this guy has amnesia. It's like, what the hell is this? General Hospital? Like, I, I don't understand. You know, if they could have just kept it simple, call Larry Hama. Larry Hama is sitting somewhere boiling that he doesn't get a chance to write screenplays or even contribute to the brain trust of screenplays for these these things. Why not really consult him about, about working the ninjas? That was one of the whole things about uh, Snake Eyes was like a saboteur. He like threw bombs in your engines and stuff. But when they saw how dope Storm Shadow was and how popular he was, they made Snake Eyes into a ninja. That was a retrofit. You know what I mean? He, they put the spoiler on him. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, they already had Quick Kick. <laughs> Dude, that's another thing. There's a lot of martial arts in that show. That was the 80s where the martial arts were just being recognized in the United States as the new marketing thing. Some side of martial yep. arts was associated with almost every big thing of the 80s. Blame it on Carol Co., all that stuff. I think there were a lot of people who kind of grew up watching Bruce Lee movies who then aged into writing like television 
And I yep. think that like really brought that kind of like influence in. And then once it was in like popular culture, like Karate Kid and stuff like that, every kid in the suburbs had to go take a Taekwondo lesson. I can attest to that. Yes. <laughs> me too. It me. <laughs> I'm in this photo and I do not like it. You can thank uh, Storm Shadow for a lot of that, I think. Dude, Storm Shadow launched a million green belts. You know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like martial so arts how- was the garage band of our generation. <laughs> Everybody had, was doing it. <laughs> I'm sure you already went over this on your podcast, but what would be the ideal G.I. Joe movie that you'd want to see? I don't think we really got to it, but one thing we did get to was sort of this idea of the G.I. Joes were a special missions force in the 80s during a certain part of the Cold War, and they were contributed to the end of the Cold War in some sort of covert fashion that they never really got credit for. After that, though, a lot of this technology got walled up because it's like it's it's weird, super almost future tech that was just sort of shelved. That are just like, okay, we won the war. Let's like show everybody that we're just pew pew, we're just regular people and stuff, and we'll we'll age into this because this is too dangerous. And the GI Joe movie that we that, that we did was posited that some of those super weapons got unearthed and stuff, and the only people who knew how to deal with it and operate in this way and use even conventional weapons to defeat these super weapons were the Joes, and so they. Yeah, so they went and they like uh I think we at first we had Snake Eyes and there was every, everybody started uh Snake Eyes would be a bad protagonist because he doesn't talk, which I wasn't willing to violate him not talking. So I was like we kept talking around it and talking around it. We never they weren't in love with Flint or Duke nor am I. And so we really trying to struggle for this leader and we never we were just like, ah, who's the leader? Who's the leader? And the very last second I was like, Man, fuck it. It's not Snake Eyes. Fuck it. All these points you're saying are fine and true. And plus Snake Eyes has his own movie thing. So fine. Beachhead. Beachhead was always in the cartoons bucking for more rank. He was always trying to do that. But on the if you looked at the comic books, the actual uh in, in the dossier from the toy. He was a level-headed leader type and also sort of a drill sergeant instructor. So he knows each Joe from the beginning of their Jonas. He trained half these guys. So they're his special children. So once he comes back from the, you know, to, to see them in their trailer homes, in their gambling dens, in their alcoholic stupor, in their being a football coach, and tells them that they got to put the suits on and save the world again, it's got a gravitas because he made them. It's almost like Colonel Troutman coming to do a mission with Rambo type of shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's... Uh, oh, I kind of got chills, baby. That's a good fucking G.I. Joe movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. I'm into that. I really like that idea a lot. So, yeah, you can see how I, we fleshed it out on our rebooted. But, yeah, that was that was how we tried to do it, man. We tried to make it have that gravitas, you know? That's great. Like, there were so many missing characters from the movies and, like, Mm-hmm. You know, well, you didn't really get great outfits, and there was mm-hmm. missing people. Like, it was just, it was a lost opportunity. And I and think the studios, Paramount in this case, I think, yes, forgot that this is like a cross-generational property. That it is one of those mm-hmm. type of franchises that my dad would be into, I would be into, everybody in between. Mm-hmm. And they made this like... Metal Gear Solid meets the Avengers new age hyper action movie 
where it's almost mm-hmm. how I felt about the new Power Rangers. Where I was like, guys, you forgot that everyone likes this. Don't make it for the people who might not like it. Go make it for the people that like it. I'm not mm. saying make it a dark, mature, R-rated, blah, blah, blah. You can make a movie that everyone likes that appeals to what that brand was and hit mm. your audience. You don't need to. Mature doesn't mean dark and R-rated and Logan-esque. I don't need to see the Green Ranger or Snake Eyes die for me to be like a G.I. Joe for adults. Yeah, but and also, yeah, you don't need to see like Captain America in a trench coat. You know what I mean? Right. You, you, you don't need to see that. You don't need to see anybody be embarrassed by what they are, by their iconic nature, you know? And that was one of the things that like, yeah, they started doing weird with uh, the GI Joes where they were no, they started getting so far away. And I understand we're talking about toys. I don't want to get too damn weird, but Jesus Christ, man, as soon as they got totally divorced from being part of any sort of actual military, and to this super sci-fi, it was always a spoonful of sci-fi makes the medicine go down. It was always a little bit. Dr. Mindbender, the bats, different stuff like that. You know, I remember uh, uh, watching the cartoon and watching bats were these big com- combat robots. And when they first came out, one of them could beat up like 35 Joes. They were like badass. You saw one bat, that was your ass. And then they started just having whole troops of them get beat up by Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter would like rip one's arm off and start beating up the rest of them with it and stuff to put over Sergeant Slaughter. It's so funny, man. I never got Sergeant Slaughter either. <laughs> Do you still have any of the old collection that you had or is it all in the Dude, snow somewhere? You know what's crazy? I th- I think this is true. I'm not sure if it is, but I think that it's true. Snake Eyes was the last survivor. <laughs> after all the wars, <laughs> after all the whatever, after after moving several times, going to college, all the different stuff. The Snake Eyes with the cross daggers on his chest and the sword. His sword survived until the very end, and he survived to the very end. I think somewhere between college to now, he just sort of I, I just stopped believing in him and he faded away. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever miss it? Have you ever been I, like, I I'm should go reclaim. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Do you ever How? miss it? Do you ever have the urge to like rebuild that collection or fill in the ones you, like, outside of the ones that are like, you know, 10 grand. It's, it's crazy though. The ones that I had, that's the other kick of the nutsack of the ones that I had are the ones that are worth 10 grand. The freaking, I don't know if quick kicks up there. Uh, I, I think I could get quick kickback reasonably. And I think ironically I could get lady J or bazooka, but I can't afford to get back my storm shadow. Like at this point, I can't afford to get back any version of snake eyes. It's just over for that. Uh, and that that does give me pause, though. That's like when I sell that screenplay and I make sure my mom's dinky house in, in Georgia is paid off, I'm going to buy some damn G.I. Joes. I'm going to buy nice. some damn G.I. Joes. My screenwriting desk will be full of G.I. Joes, and it'll be some sort of ode to one of the things that, that fired my imagination for, for story and for, for all that as a kid. It'll be, it'll be an ode to that. I feel like that's part of why so many people in creative fields have toys and action figures because there is mm. a, a like wall of inspiration or like what came before. But there is also kind of to your point, like 
I like when I'm writing, having something toyetic that I can just mess around with and unlock. I just move swords or something and be like, ah, oh, I took my mind off of it for 30 seconds. Now I have a joke. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I think I find that now. Uh, it's funny, the toyetic thing. I'm finding that with video, the video games that I like to play. Because once I, w- I really started thinking about it, my video games, ironically enough, aren't the ones where I go sneak behind enemy lines and kill anybody. Because to me, that doesn't feel toyetic to me. And there's only so many ways and some of these things you can do that. I just, it doesn't feel like that to me, but certain sports games, I play the 2k franchise and I, and I, you know, and I used to be in a Madden and just the ability to be like, it takes me back to the little kid rules, right? You have a big fat lineman. He runs 65. You have a running back. He runs 73 should be faster than that. The game programmer said this guy's slow. So on and so forth. You read everybody's dossier. You put together your special teams. You put together your your all your personalities. Get your stuff together. I just sat here with the old version of 2K, the one for 220. They got the 2K21 out now. I just did a bunch of trades and stuff. It was moving just in my own mind, not in the game mechanic, just sort of moving people along in rosters, trying to match up their salaries and stuff, seeing what I could do, playing with them in that new configuration. That to me is toyetic and that I get my fix that way. And I don't have to clutter up my house. I don't have to have $1,500 things dancing in my mind all the time. You know, I could buy, I could buy a new set of toys and play with them endlessly in that fashion. So that's what saved me and my income from toys is, is the, is the, how I do 2K and stuff like that. You're speaking my language with bazooka and uh, Destro and, all of those very fond memories, fond childhood memories, fond memories of the show, of the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think that's why I picked up Wolverine originally was because of Larry. Like I saw yeah. his name on it and it was like, <laughs> oh, that's the G.I. Joe guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then picked up Wolverine. And next thing you know, I'm reading Wolverine every month and loving it. And I don't know if that would have happened if it, if it wasn't for G.I. Joe as well. Well, and, and what's what's really crazy is like the the we talked about what got me out of the brand. What got me into the brand was like realistically some of the storytelling in the comics and even the cartoon were kind of amazing. The shipwreck has that whole arc yeah. where like he's he's in a fake town with a with a fake like family and stuff, which is all this weird jazz, and his parrot is telling them that stuff is wrong and just like that's crazy. That's Truman Show way before Truman Show, you know? It's Twilight Zone-esque with shipwreck. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so much stuff like that from, from you know, the, the cartoons and stuff. And when you just, just some of the guys' personalities and names, Footloose and Dusty. And there was a guy, <laughs> there's a toy, I think his name was Hit and Run. And he was like just as bad as dude was very fast and could... So he'd run past you and shoot the hell out of you. And then he'd escape. And he'd live, that was his whole MO. Run, blah. He was like a drive-by shooting as a person. And that was his gimmick. And he had a grappling hook. And I think I had him for a short time and I played with his grappling hook and messed it up some kind of way. But like him doing the kind of Batman 66 up and down walls and or rather up and down couches, let's be honest, <laughs> when I was a kid. Those are really, really fond memories that I... I, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't uh, think about. Oh, and you know one one thing I just remembered. I just remember this. 
I had Zaymot. I did. I had. I had Zaymot. Oh right. Right? Yes. They had Tomax and that Zaymott. was a great character. Yeah. Yeah. I had I so they had Tomax and Zaymot. They were brothers and they were twins. I had one twin. So my whole life, Destro and the twin <laughs> and a couple of <laughs> Cobra dudes were trying to beat like 20 GI Joes. <laughs> they really did it. Wasn't. They completed that mission. <laughs> they did it. It really wasn't too fair. No, I mean, I never really had 20 at a time, but like, yeah, I had, yeah, again, Quick Kick, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, Destro, few a few of those guys. I tried to get um, whatever's Wax Sepentor they made, but by that time, my heart wasn't in it. You know, by the time Sepentor was really around to be a toy, I was like, gotcha. I was, I would, I, cause I didn't like those toys that came after that. They had this whole new conception of Cobra where it was like a race of subterranean dwellers. And they had all these like brightly colored, weird Shangri-La snake toys that they were trying to sell. And I was yep. like, this sucks. This is so it was, bad. There was like a key point in every eighties toy franchise where they would add like, another group of villains that were like worse than the main group of villains mm-hmm. um like Kordak and the horde and in masters suddenly i feel like cobra commander became like almost too beloved of a character so you had to have these characters that were like worse than cobra commander yeah i think that happened over and over again it always got a little outside the realm of the original franchise Right. I mean, and, and also there was just, but the, with G.I. Joe, there was like, even though I couldn't afford all of them, the ones that I got were, they were I was still able to make the, the last G.I. Joe I think I can remember having is a dreadnought named Torch. And I bought him because I liked his look. I liked the fact that he laid down flames and stuff. I think I've reasoned that he might be a good opponent for Frostbite because like, you know, uh, Frostbite likes the cold and he's like flames, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Just natural enemies. Natural, yep. enemies, natural enemies, you know? So it was just like one of those things, man. That So like of, and just last things last, these toys were the most, uh, I like that word. I've heard it before, but uh, toyetic. They're the most toyetic. They might be the most toyetic toys, toys ever in regards to like all the different stuff that they had, all the different points of articulation, the, the, the waist twisting, the weapon holding, the packs that they would have in the, that would stick inside their backs with all the different stuff that you could hang off of it. The, 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 damn, uh, the, the damn snake eyes I had had a, had a three-sided nunchuck, like a three-length, uh, I forgot the long-ass Japanese word for, for it, but it was like three, a three-pronged uh, nunchuck that he had. It was just crazy, some of the, the accessories. So, like, I loved how they were actually always worth playing with. I, I had a I had a Thundercats toy, and I had several G.I. Joes, and that Thundercats toy never got touched. <laughs> what? My brother's in trouble. How do you know? I know. You know those heads. Ed, thank you. This is really great. This flew by. Like, yeah, I can listen really to you talk good. Joe's all night. 
Um, where can people find you? Uh, they can check me out at Edgar Destroys on Twitter, and they can check out my uh, my YouTube channel, Reboot It, where you know, in about an hour and a half, we reboot movies. We rebooted the entire uh, Skywalker saga in an in like an hour and a half. You know what I mean? We're, we're we're crazy. There's a lot of hubris. And speaking of that, my new podcast venture, which is about to drop, uh, is the Greatest Pod. I've already got the website, so if you go to the thegreatestpod.net, it's already there as a marker. But I'm building the website out, and I'm about to drop the episodes. Uh, they're basically going to be Christmas presents. So around Christmas right. time, check your uh, RSS feeds for the greatest pod. Uh, and the, and, and that, yeah, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Just, I'm sorry. Just in, in that, we just talk about what makes stuff great. We don't talk about how we're great. <laughs> we talk about what makes things great. So I, I feel a lot of positivity then. Yeah. It's not the worst podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all need that positivity right now uh, after this year. I think that's a really awesome thing. Thank you. Uh, Blake, where can people find us? Well, they can first leave us a review on iTunes. If they are not already subscribed, they can then hit that little subscribe button on iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts, which is no longer Google Play. It's fine. Either way, (laughs) it's the same button, does the same stuff. And then they can find us on Twitter at How Do You Figure Pod. We're on Instagram at How Do You Figure Pod. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash groups slash How Do You Figure Podcast. I'm at, as always, Blake. I do another show called You Can't Do That Anymore about movies that have not aged gracefully or that we think differently on. Ed actually did a great episode about Fight Club with us. That was fantastic. Justin, of course, does the Tournament of Nerds the third Saturday of every month on a Twitch channel while the world waits for UCB to reopen on bated breath. Yep. <laughs> that does it. <laughs> <laughs> bated breath. <laughs> oh.